Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Duncan Holder, hour number two here on a Tuesday, November 14th. You missed any of hour number one? Sports1280.com, NOLA.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube page. Uh, You can check out all of the zaniness we've talked about after the show. And Jeff, you have, speaking of zaniness, you've put up your James Bond Twitter poll. You've scoffed at the results of your Girl Scout cookie poll. Just not things are not going your way with the with the Girl Scout cookie. Truly, Sorry, buddy. Truly disturbing results. Almost 300 votes in our Girl Scout cookie poll, and thin mints. I'm disturbed to report. Won 41 to 38 percent in a very neck and neck race, very close competition over Samoas, which clearly are the better Girl Scout cookie. It's not even close. I don't even know how. The world got to 41%. What are these people thinking? Thin mints are like the Paul McCartney of Girl Scout cookies. So what's the Samoas then? John Lennon. So the guy who's kind of gone rogue there and, you know. The the, the brilliant cookie. The brilliant one? Not the milk toast. I will say this, that uh, I've been telling you to watch this documentary, the two-part series, Rolling Stone magazine that came on last week on HBO. What what is it again? Tell me. About- I don't know the not name of the documentary, but okay. it's it's on HBO go on demand, you can find it. Uh, it's two-part series and there are certainly many stories and many uh, retellings of their uh photo shoots and such with John Lennon. Zero with your boy Paul McCartney. So, there you Interesting. go. Interesting. There you go. And it, you're recommending that doc, right? Absolutely. Yes, it's Great. Yeah, I'm all over that. I love documentaries. Right now, I'm in the middle of the Vietnam War documentary that Ken Burns is doing for PBS. And well, anything Ken Burns is great. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's it's a lot. It's a time investment, though. It is each episode's like two hours. It's it's a lot. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, we're always here for our hard hitting sports takes. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of the Duncan Holder poll, which you can go online right now and vote for the best James Bond, the lead character. Right now, we have 74 votes. And I'm happy to report that most of America is voting for the correct candidate. Most Sean, of America. Sean Connery weighs in at 38%. Second place, I can't believe, Daniel Craig. And then Pierce Brosnan and Roger Moore at 19%. Oh. I know. And we didn't have room for – we only have – Twitter only allows you to have four candidates. They don't, they don't give you more than four options. So no love for Timothy Dalton and no love for George Lazenby. And you got called out and said it's heresy that you left out George Lazenby. I didn't even know who George Lazenby was. Oh, no. But. You're going to get all kinds of bond hate. Rightfully, Sean Connery. I can't, I can't think of any other 
James Bond. I just told you, Roger Sean. Moore. I know Roger Moore was a dweeb. A dweeb. Yes, yes. I could have whipped Roger Moore as that James Bond. Now, Sean Connery, that that was James Bond, the original. Well, he wasn't the original. I think David Niven was the original. And that I don't know. Casino who that is. Royale, if I remember correctly. I'm testing my James Bond trivia here. I would, we'd, we'd lose, by the way. We probably wouldn't be very good at trivia, some of these local trivia. No. No, we, unless it was Saints trivia. Or like 90210 and Saved by the Bell. That's all I know. That's all I've got. <laughs> you seem to know like uh, Hard Rock. You seem to know that. White Zombie and Rob Zombie. Well, my, my, my know-all goes as far as that. that that's all I've got. Well, but, we did, we'd recruit Dave to be on our team to pull out all that music trivia. I sure would hope so. I think he would, he would certainly he would dominate. Be, absolutely. So... Who is not dominating is your boy Butch Jones, who's fired, makes two openings in the SEC. We know a third one will be open uh, because Matt Luke is not going to cut it up at Ole Miss. So you have a third opening. We assume Arkansas is going to have an opening, and it is a likelihood that Texas A&M has an opening, and we wanted to kind of rank the jobs because you look at some of the places, pluses and minuses, and we had Ron Higgins on, LSU SEC columnist, uh, on in the first hour, and that's kind of how we spun off into this conversation. And we've talked about this even when, say, Ed Orgeron was on the hot seat in some people's eyes. He was struggling, and we're saying, oh, what happens if he leaves, this, that, the other? And if you keep going into a kind of a downslide, your team starts to become irrelevant. And I would say Florida is kind of – Bordering, I'm not going to say irrelevant, but just kind of there. Tennessee, I think now is just kind of there. Like Texas A&M, when they had Manziel, they had a bump, but now I feel like they're just kind of there. Like how do you get coaches to come in there and improve those programs? And look, I would say, okay, which jobs are we going to qualify as openings? Which, which ones do you want to do? Well, I would, I would say Arkansas is going to open for sure. Okay. And I think A&M – is likely to open. So, I mean, I think we've... So, we'll do five? Yeah. And I would say, if I were... The criteria that I would use right away that I think separates Florida from the rest of the pack is that you can win a national title at Florida. Urban Meyer proved that. Steve Spurrier proved that. Maybe you can win one at Texas A&M. Ron made a good point about the recruiting base there and the resources at at hand. Uh, That's a deep-pocketed bunch of boosters at Texas A&M that would be number two on my list but Florida clearly is an elite program that has fallen off for whatever reason bad hires whatever they're in a bad cycle but that can get back quickly because of the recruiting base because of the name brand recognition of the Florida Gators and then A&M with the resources the fact they're in Texas and then I think it drops off pretty drastically after that how old is Nick Saban I have no idea. I'm going to look it up because I think that matters because he's 66. He's going to coach forever. Forever? Yeah, he's going to be like 100 coaching. I don't. That's what he does. He's going to coach at least another decade, I think. So you, you think he's going to coach for another decade? Yes, no doubt in my mind. What else is he going to do? Work at Walmart? Be a greeter? I mean, of course, that's what Work he does. Work at Walmart? Be a greeter? He What's could, he going to do? He could just stand by his statue and just write no, autographs. They, these guys aren't wired that way, man. They're wired to coach. They're wired to compete. 
They're, they're going to keep doing it. They, they, they wouldn't know what to do with themselves. Guys like him. Bill Parcells has found some things to do. He plays golf and well, watches the ponies. But he wasn't nearly as successful as Nick Saban. Nick Saban can name. He can coach as long as he wants. Coach for life contract. You don't think Parcells is just as successful as, say, no. Nick Saban? No. Not no. Not near. No. Look, what he, everywhere he went after he left New York, it was like a three-year stint, and he had to kind of get out of there. Things weren't going that well. Miami was he won like, a couple Super Bowls. Yeah, in, in New York. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So did Tom Flores. A lot of people. <laughs> so did Tom I'm Flores. just saying, like, you know, it doesn't necessarily <laughs> make him. He's, Nick Saban is the greatest coach, I think, in modern college football history. There's no question. So as a competitor, as a coach, you feel like you, you would want to avoid going up against him. Yeah, I don't think you're going to ever. I think the way they've got that thing going right now, they've got like Larry. We when I was down there a couple of weeks ago, I think they've got. I may be wrong, but I'm close. I'm on this. Seventeen or nineteen coaches, and a lot of these analysts. You know the role that Greg McMahon is playing at LSU. He's not technically a full time coach. He's a he's an analyst or a consultant. So they can't actually go in front of the players and coach them. They can't go on the field and coach them, but they can do everything else. And then deliver a game plan like to Ed Ogeron, and Ed Ogeron executes the game plan that Greg McMahon brings to him. They've got about 12 of those Greg McMahons at Alabama that are that were big-time coaches at other places, high-level coaches, some aspiring young rising star coaches. But all they do is just pre-scout, personnel scouting. Uh, they are a machine at Alabama. One of the main reasons they succeed is they're coaching – resources are so much greater than everybody else's everybody wants to be a part of this and coach under Nick Saban I just don't see it ending anytime soon I think they're just a a juggernaut so I can't gauge that Nick Saban's 66 and he's gonna retire anytime soon is that what you're telling me I don't think so I don't think he's gonna retire and I don't think he's gonna get fired and I don't think he's he's ever gonna go back to the NFL I think he learned his lesson you know he said it over and over I I get multiple first-round draft picks in college because I can sign 25 players a year in the NFL, you get one. And then it's that inverted draft. It's, it's skewed to basically create parity. That doesn't happen in college football. There is no parity. They're going to get the top players every year. They, if you read that book that Phil Savage has out on Alabama, you understand that they're recruiting the cream of the crop. And these guys now all want to go there because they know they're getting prepared for the NFL. I mean, the guy, Dylan Moses, who came in, I think he had two sacks against LSU the other night. He was one of the top recruits in the country. He's third string right now at Alabama. I mean, he'd be starting at most places. He'd be starting, I'm sure, at LSU. Yeah, and the number and the number one running back in the country, actually the number one overall player, uh, the run, uh, I'm blanking on his name, but he he's the number four running back on their depth chart. He's amazing. He's, he'll be a top draft choice in a few years. There's no doubt in my mind. So if I say Texas A&M is the best job, you're going to think I'm nuts. Well, I think you could make an argument. That's the one place you could make an argument for over Florida, yeah. So I don't think you're nuts, no. But I don't think anything else is close to you. I mean, I think those are the the two jobs I would want, Florida or A&M. Yeah, I would say that because I do think that you given the resources and given the talent everywhere and you don't fear, say – Baylor coming in and scooping up because they, right. they kind of eliminated themselves. Texas is just kind of still whatever. Tom Herman, uh, look, they're not. They're building. They, they're- With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Building so you could, but if you get a bigger coach than say a Tom Herman, but what is this big coach like? I don't know who would be a realistic option for any of these pe- any of these places. Like a realistic boy blows your socks off type of hire. Like the only one that you always hear, and I think it's I'm with Ron is total BS is John Gruden. Why would he ever go coach college? Why? Why would he go coach again? Period. Why? You know what I think is a legitimate landing spot for him is Tampa. If they get rid of Dirk Cutter, I mean, he's living in Tampa. That's where his son is in high school right now playing football. He was a he was a star there. I mean, he won the Super Bowl in Tampa. It's new ownership for the most part, you know. So I, I think that's a legitimate thing that could happen. If he's going to go anywhere, I think he'll go to the Tampa Bay Bucks. Now, I don't know if he wants to coach Jameis Winston, Mr. Finger-looking-good, whatever he's doing. I don't know what he's doing. But – I know that that would be a realistic possibility. That would be fun to watch him go against. Mr. Finger looking good. Wouldn't it be fun to see him go against Sean Payton on Sundays? I think that would be great theater. Oh, I think, well, didn't he? he was Did he carry over enough for, oh, yeah, for a couple of years? Sure, a few yeah. years. But, yeah. I mean, that, that was Payton's basically mentor in the coaching ranks. It means that he's the one that gave him his first job and he used to sleep on Gruden's couch and all those stories from – was Philadelphia. that San Diego State? No, Did, Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Eagles. They didn't coach together. Ray, Diego, Ray Rhodes was the head coach. Okay, yeah. And I, and I actually approached Gruden about that down at the Outback Bowl a few years ago. Uh, he was calling that game of I forget what network it was, and wanted him to tell me some stories about it. He totally blew me off. And I know John Gruden, so it wasn't like he just was blowing me off. He's like, uh, I got. He goes, I got nothing for you. <laughs> oh, he's just like, I don't want to give you any scoopage. I think he was busy and just didn't want to talk. I think it was more about that. I was like, uh, I know there's stories there between you. Maybe and it's Sean stories Payton. he doesn't want to tell. Yeah, could be. I, I think I just caught him at a bad time because he's 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 always been very free with his time about other stories and things. I've I remember getting him on the phone once to talk about body language and Drew Brees' body language and I literally had to get off the phone John Gruden because he wanted to talk about it all day. Well it's funny you say that I've had a good solo interview with John Gruden before over the phone too where you're just going and going it's like you don't want to take up his time but then he he just likes to talk about it so Mm -hmm. yeah so I just don't know who that coach would be that would Boy, totally. I don't yeah, see like the there's run. a where's a Harbaugh. I don't think there is one. An Urban Meyer to Ohio State. They're just. I don't think there one exists right now. There's not a home run hire out there. At least that's obvious. Right. Maybe maybe there's somebody out there that's ready to move, like Nick Saban was when he was at Michigan State. And no one even really knew it. Maybe maybe like PJ Fleck just comes in and like does a one year. Does a, but does a great job and he could. Who knows? I don't know. Saban had to come from Michigan State, so. Maybe Fleck well, could be that the one guy. guy I don't know. The one guy's name that's out there, Scott Frost at Central Florida, he's the rising star. And I, I think he's going to be a candidate of Florida or Nebraska if that opens. Yeah, I would agree. So listen to this, Jeff. Just absorb it. I need to bang my head against the wall. Let's do Is that. There a Can wall we get nearby? Just banging on our banner here on YouTube Live. So <laughs> good, good theater. So come on back, sports1280nola.com and the iHeartRadio app, Duncan Holder.
is Duncan Holder on Sports 1280, New Orleans. All right, Jeff, college football playoff polls come out tonight. And AP Top 25, Alabama 1, Miami 2. Oklahoma 3, Clemson 4, Wisconsin 5, Auburn 6, Georgia 7, Ohio State 8, Notre Dame 9, Oklahoma State rounds out the top 10. And having a chance to catch up and watch that Auburn-Georgia game, look, I I didn't know if Georgia – look, I thought they were a good team. I didn't know that – Auburn could absolutely blow the doors off of him. I was floored at that. I thought, look, if Auburn was going to win, it'd be some one of those like crazy Auburn Georgia endings that they've had the last couple of years. But Auburn just completely dominated them, and now you bring it into the conversation. Hey, I know if Auburn fans were bent about Gus Malzahn, well, he's not getting fired anytime soon after that kind of win, and then. The discussion comes in, can Auburn, with two losses, say if they beat Alabama and get to the SEC title game and win, can they jump teams with one loss or teams with no losses if Wisconsin can win out? So, I, I look, they've, they've brought themselves back into the conversation. Yeah, we talked a lot about that. If Auburn beats Alabama, this thing's going to get thrown into – it's going to be wide open. I don't know who Miami has left. I'm assuming they play Florida State. They always play them at that rivalry weekend, but – Florida State's so down, I don't see them as a threat. I don't really either, yeah. And I don't know if they have to play Clemson or not. Do they play them in that? They would play each other in the ACC title game. So there would be a collision course. So someone's going to eliminate someone. Yeah, they the, Miami plays home against Virginia and then at Pittsburgh, and then you'd have the title game. So one of those two will cancel each other out. It looks like ACC is going to get one. The SEC is going to get one, potentially two, but probably one, right? Big 12? They might not get any. Well, if Oklahoma stumbles, they won't get any. They're the viable candidate right Right. now. Right. They're 9-1, and if if they can't get through the Big 12, if they they lose a game, say in the title game or somewhere, uh, they will be bumped because 9-2, Oklahoma's not going to – and no one else is going to challenge. Like TCU's 11, but they're 8-2, and and, uh, that's not going to happen. So what about Wisconsin – Oklahoma, Clemson, and Alabama. That, that sounds right to me. That sounds like the potential Final Four. Well, the fact that Notre Dame's probably out of it, yeah. Uh, it, it could be, but look, I think Wisconsin's going to be susceptible, so you never know. Let's hit the phone lines. 504-260-1280 is a number to get involved. Josh in Sacramento. Josh, thanks for calling Duncan thanks. Holder. What's up, Josh? Thanks for taking my call, guys. I'm trying to reclaim my title as number one caller from the West Coast. But uh, I mean, when I gave that claim, boy, there were a lot of uh, people that were ready to go Royal Rumble, dude. So they look, were. You, you better they bring were. it. So I'm trying to bring it. So I think just two things. One, one off-topic thing uh, about the Saints. I think that I thought last week was going to be a real test of like the Saints' defense and where they are. But I think this week with Kirk Cousins. Everyone's kind of overlooking Washington. I think this week we play a quality quarterback. I saw what he did to Seattle, came up there, and I saw what he did to Minnesota. So that makes me think, okay, this will be a good test of where the Saints defense is. If he goes rampant, goes up and down the field, we got to work on some things. Um, but LSU, the thought that I had was I think it's kind of fair for LSU and other teams 
that are doing so well, like the not this year, but last year, where we play uh, like the the top team in the S in the whole entire college, you know, college rankings every single year, and without fail, we either lose by three or we lose by a lot. I think there should be some grace when doing these college rankings. If you play the top, you know, top team, uh, then if you lose by three, you stay put. But if you lose by six or a touchdown or more, you can go ahead and kind of drop and fall off. I think it's just unfair because LSU every single year has to play the top team um, in college football. So, I mean, I'll let you guys argue about that or what you think about that. So, I agree 100%, and that's why I'm – wholeheartedly for like a 16-team playoff. I, I feel like 16 teams gets everybody in the mix. You can you can have these lower-level conferences that I think, like a Central Florida, I'd love to see Central Florida play somebody this year. You've been on that bandwagon and get them in. Yeah, and then you get you get the, you the make a great point about LSU being stuck with Alabama. You get LSU has a chance. Right now, it's so closed off, and we're arguing over who's better. Is, is unbeaten Wisconsin better than – one loss, Clemson. I mean, who knows? No one knows. No one knows that, and that's the problem with college football. Is it's all a it's a beauty contest. We're judging without really knowing the teams playing each other. If you get sixteen teams, I think it really opens it up to where legitimately everybody's included, and and no one's going to get left out that could possibly make an argument that they could win a national title. I think of the year I covered LSU when they had two losses, and remember they got in the in the in the BCS. They had two losses that year. I mean, it was miraculous. I think one of the games they lost was, I mean, they needed West Virginia to lose, right, to Pitt. To Pitt, and then Missouri to go down. and They yes. were so close to not making it, and they ended up winning the national title, I think, right? Did yes. they win it that year? Yes. They won the national title that year, but they were so close to not even making it. And it was just happenstance that they made it. That's my point, is you can make arguments. No one knew at that time that LSU was the best team in the country. And they almost didn't make it by process of elimination. That's that's my problem with college football. And I don't think four teams is enough either. I think you open it up. They do it in one double A, the old one double A. I don't know why they can't do it in, in Division One in the. Well, level. would you cut down on how many te- how many games they play in the regular season, or you would could. you just add games? You could. I mean, that's what cracks me up about you know people talk about player safety, and that's an argument against the. The 16-team playoff. Well, no one argued when they added a 12th game. Nobody. Nobody argued that. They added an extra game. You can't – every other school is doing it. it. Every other level of college football, I should say, is doing it. And it certainly is viable, and it would be tons of revenue brought into college football that could help out as well because networks would bid astronomical numbers for a playoff of that size. Well, we all know why that's not happening right Yeah, we now. do know. You're right. The all, bowl money, yada, yada, yada. Right, the tradition, and it's like the bowl lobbying. Bowl's not going to do it. Now, if you incorporated the bowls, because, look, I don't want to do away with the Sugar Bowl. There's great tradition there. There's just a way I think you could make it work and have the bowls included in it in some way. But if you have a 16-team playoff, wouldn't you love to see Central Florida play one of these big teams and It'd be cool to see. Who I'd knows? agree. Central I'd Florida might be able to. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. To win. I mean, a few years ago, Boise State beat, was it Oklahoma? Everybody saw that game. No one thought Boise State could win that game. That's because there's a perception issue in college football. Well, good luck, my friend. Sorry, I'm on a soapbox. I need some rage against the machine or something. Wow, I think you do. Yeah. You need, I, I don't know where, where we're going to pull that off, but why don't we uh, take a break right here on the show? You can rage against the turnover machine that are the New Orleans Pelicans, even though they won. Still winning sloppy, but I don't care. They're winning. Eight and six. I joked, sort of, in uh, our, our post for, for the show. It's probably the first time they've been two games above 500 since Prohibition, you know, back in the old 1930s when you were – Running around the streets, you know, you just become legal age of 21 drinking. I knew I'd get an age jab at some point. We can't go a show without it. Gotta it's, get an it's, age jab. It's part of it. What do you it's want me to do? Part of the show is part of the Duncan older. Exactly. <laughs> Look at you, Jeffrey. Look nice. At you. There you go. So we'll talk Pelicans Hawks coming up next here. Sports 1280, NOLA.com, and the iHeartRadio app. We're Duncan Holder. Gotta keep them separated. The uncensored talk about your teams. Sports 1280, New Orleans. Pelicans pick up the win 106-105. They protect their home court against the now 2-12 Atlanta Hawks. And Jeff, you look at the Hawks lineup. And I would think maybe basketball nitty-gritty junkies would know who some of their players were outside of Pelicans fans who remember Luke Babbitt. But other than that, it's not like they seemed like they were going up against these world beaters. And yet I was telling you uh, during the break how their strategy, and you could just see the production, their strategy was to, at all costs, don't let Anthony Davis and or DeMarcus Cousins beat them. And Atlanta did a good job of that. They would double-team, triple-team, actually, whenever they would get the ball. And that's why you only see Anthony Davis had went 5 of 7 from the field, even though he played 38 minutes. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins, 6 of 12, he played 35 minutes. And actually what they did was, in the last, say, minute or two in the game, or last four or five minutes, Boogie sat the bench because they were playing small, and like really small. Like, I don't even know if they had like a power forward. Like it was the really small and they were trying to fly around and try to take away shots. But look, in those cases, this is when you need production from elsewhere. And you got to give Etwan Moore lots of credit. 24 points last night. He was 11 of 18 from the field. And the big story, because he made so many clutch shots, Darius Miller, 21 points. I think he was he, – he might he, – Five of five in the fourth quarter from three-point range. Well, didn't he hit the big go-ahead three yes. late? Yes. And that was a big shot. And that was a classic, you know, everybody's ganging up on Anthony Davis and he's wide open in the corner. And people are going to make Darius Miller, Etwan Moore, Drew Holiday beat them. They're going to make them make those shots. And the Pelicans have got to knock them down if they're going to be successful. But that was just a classic case last night, I think, of, the Pelicans play into the level of their competition. That's a, not a sexy team. There's no star power. The arena, I'm sure, was like half full. 
and it probably was hard to get some energy going against that kind of team. And, and Mike Budenholzer, we've talked about it off the air, he's a really good coach, really good strategist, and they had a good strategy, and it almost worked for them with a team that certainly, certainly doesn't have the talent of the New Orleans Pelicans. No, and uh, look, they had trouble, sloppy play again, turning the ball over. Cousins had seven turnovers, Anthony Davis had five, and uh, look, it was almost at the end where uh, Cousins almost threw the ball away trying to inbound it, and Davis has to save it and kind of throw it, and they, they gave him another shot. So it was sloppy. There's no doubt about that. And you said when you, you covered the game on Saturday, it was another sloppy performance that they were able to just kind of eke out and win. Yeah, they had 21, a season out, 21 turnovers in that game, and Cousins had a lot of turnovers. And they're bad. There's a difference in turnovers. You know, sometimes – uh, they're more, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, egregious than others. He had a lot of turnovers where he's bringing the ball up the court and they're not even getting involved in the offense and the ball's going the other way. And it's leading to points on, from the other team. Turnovers that set up the other team for points are obviously worse than when you just throw it out of bounds and they have to inbound it and you get your defense set. They had a lot of those turnovers between him and Drew Holiday against the Clippers, but they just overwhelmed the Clippers with sheer talent. The Clippers are not going to be in the playoffs this year. Unless they make some kind of deal, they are coming back to earth. They had a really strong start, but now they're 5-8. and eight. And right now, Larry, the, the Pelicans are tied for fifth in the West. Now, I know there's a bunch of teams within like a game of them, and it's going to be like that all year. But, hey, they're 8-6. They're and six. Yeah, 19 turnovers last night for the Pelicans. Uh, but, look, hey, sometimes you're going to run into these games. And even though it seems like we've been we've been saying that a lot as the Pelicans have won games, uh, I'm curious to see when the level of the competition elevates how the Pelicans perform. And look, just look at their schedule coming up; uh, it, it's going to toughen up uh, and, and toughen up pretty substantially. Look, it starts um, when they take the court next on Wednesday, they host Toronto, which we saw they lost at Toronto. Uh, the last time they played, what was it last week? And you've got just, it's not going to be the, some of these cupcakes. I feel like that you got on the schedule. I'm, I'm pulling up the schedule. Well, right they now. still haven't beaten a team with a winning record. Right. I mean, I know when they played Cleveland, they had a winning record, but Cleveland right now, seven, seven, they've kind of, righted the ship a little bit with the Cavs, trying to play a little bit better defense. But I think the jury's still out on – I will say this, though, and I think you make a good point. They're doing what they need to do. They're not losing games that they shouldn't lose, and they used to do that a lot. Right. Right now, at least they're beating the teams they should beat. And hopefully now with Rondo back in the lineup, they can kind of find their flow on offense because I think there's going to be a, an adjustment period there. And once they do that and settle into their roles – but they've got to cut down on the turnovers, and, and they've got to stop running the offense through DeMarcus Cousins. I mean, it's clear. He's leading the league in turnovers right now, and it's killing them. It's, keeping, it's killing them from getting into a, a, a flow on offense and also gathering some momentum, able to go on some runs because they're constantly turning it over. It, it creates for like a haphazard offensive flow. And you mentioned Rajon Rondo. He made his first appearance in the regular season in a Pelicans uniform. He played five minutes. Uh, he basically said he woke up that th- that day, felt good, and said, hey, let's give it a go. So they put him in there. He immediately scored. <laughs> he he yeah. drove in for a layup. Uh, but obviously you're going to be seeing more from him. And 
Like it is, and we've talked with our, our own Will Guillory plenty of times. It's going to be an adjustment period for when he plays more than five minutes, which at some point he's going to be starting, and Etwan Moore is going to come off the bench. And so, but it does give you a little sense of, uh, of, 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 I would say at least some relief because you got one more player in the lineup, and maybe you're not having to eat all these minutes. But here's the schedule coming up, say in the next two weeks, home against Toronto. At Denver on November 17th, home on November 20th and 22nd. Then you go at Phoenix, which should be a win. Then you go at Golden State, come home against Minnesota. So this is going to be a period where, all right, let's see what they're made of, how they can hang with some of the bigger boys in the West. Yeah, this will be a little bit – we'll get a better read for these Pelicans over the next two weeks because a lot of Western contenders and some of the elite teams, Golden State, San Antonio – uh, those are measuring stick games, and this and and typically historically, the Pelicans have played well in those games, especially in the Smoothie King Center. They need to get that home court advantage back too. There, there's just not a lot of energy there right now. And look, I'm not blaming the fans. I don't, I think you've got to give the fans something to get excited about, and the Pelicans, at least the last two nights, haven't really done that. And look, you're playing on a Monday night. That's hard to do. They're going to be playing on a Monday night against Oklahoma City and a Wednesday night against San Antonio, and. It sounds like excuses, but we know what ki- what type of town this is. And when the Saints are rocking, you get all your energy with that, and it's almost like you got to muster it f- with this team. But look, they win some of these games, you you start to build that momentum, and that's where you need guys. Frankly, guys like uh, Darius Miller to rise up in a game like this and and give you a spark. Etwan Moore give you a spark because it's not you can't rely on Davis and Cousins every night like they've been doing. You need somebody to do it. And, it, and last night those guys came through. Absolutely. Well, why don't we take one final break right here? Because I know Jeff, you got to get going. Where are you headed? Uh, I'm going to the um, Touchdown Club. I'm going to speak at uh, the Quarterback Club over at uh, Rock and Bowl. We're going to speak over there on Tuesday. So um, looking forward to that, seeing that group, and then going to head over to the Orpheum Theater to see Steve Gleason uh, make a speech. I mean, you're just a man amongst the people today. Lots of speaking when a day when I can't speak. Drink some tea, maybe some Jaeger. That'll help. Yeah, that's always your answer. Tea and Jaeger. It's thick. It coats the throat. Nectar of the gods. I don't want to know which god that is. Of the toilet god. Makes you head over there and visit him. So, all right, Jeff. He'll be back tomorrow. We'll have one more segment. We'll hear from Alvin Gentry. We'll hear from Darius Miller after last night's win. So, uh, Jeff will return tomorrow. You got me for one more segment. So, come on back. Sports1280NOLA.com and the iHeartRadio app. Duncan Holder. Duncan Holder now. Josh Innes next at noon on Sports 1280, New Orleans. It's almost like last night Darius Miller didn't want to take credit for hitting all these big shots. He kept saying... I'm just open uh, because, like I like I was telling Jeff in the last break, uh, Pelicans win 106-105, and they were triple-teaming Boogie. They were triple-teaming Anthony Davis. It was basically let everyone else beat you at all costs and make them make a good pass, and that's why, look, Davis and Boogie combined for 12 of the 19 turnovers because people were swarming them. And when you're 2-11, and 11, I understand the strategy. Just – 
why the hell not? What, what do you have to lose against a team you're probably supposed to lose to anyway? But uh, let's hear from Darius Miller and hear from Alvin Gentry. Let's start with Alvin Gentry on the win. Uh, no, especially against that team. I, I told you, you know, their their record is no indication of the kind uh, the kind of team that they are. And I tell you guys, they play hard. Uh, they do a great job. You know, Buzz done a great job of uh, of taking the talent that he has and have them execute. They shoot the ball extremely well. You know, from five all the way down to the twelfth guy on the bench. So uh, they spread you out and they make it really tough. And uh, I thought the thing that they did a really good job of is that. <clears throat> Every time one of our bigs touched the ball, they had not one, not two, but three guys around them. So uh, I thought they did about as good a job as you can do on our bigs. And uh, we found other guys that stepped up and, and, and was able to, you know, obviously Darius played a great game. And I thought Etuan was really good. And, you know, Drew had a good game in the sense that, uh, you know, we needed him to be a facilitator and do some things. And uh, he and Jameer, I thought, did a great job. And you're talking about Darius Miller. And he's been someone that's kind of elevated his game the last couple of weeks. And it's someone that uh, when you find a team, and obviously we don't see it very often when there's a team out there that can take away Boogie and Anthony Davis. Usually at least one of them could go for 30 a night. And uh, But look, they were able to hold them and limit them on shots and limit them on points. Like Davis had 13 points. Boogie had 22. They only combined to shoot 19 shots. They went combined 11 of 19 from the floor. But still, uh, look, it's something that teams might watch this and potentially uh, go off of this blueprint. So I'm curious to see what happens there. But when you look at it, you need players to step up. And Darius Miller certainly stepped up uh, off the bench uh, with 21 points and five of eight from three, eight of 11 overall, and he made four three-pointers in the fourth quarter. Let's see what Alvin Gentry had to say about Darius Miller. Well, I mean, uh, we know that he can shoot the ball, and that's one of the reasons that we brought him in. I thought he did a really good job uh, of using the screens and getting himself open and then, uh, you know, being, uh, you know, shake action is what we call it, for where he's coming behind uh, some of our bigs, rolling to the basket. So, uh, he put himself in a good position to catch it and shoot it, and that's that's one of his strong suits. Let's hear from Darius Miller on his fourth quarter performance. I mean, I feel like all of us get a lot of open shots. They demand so much attention. We just got to knock them down. I got into a rhythm tonight. A lot of open shots, so it's just, it's just a good night. How long have you been waiting to have a night like that? Man, for a while. For a while, man. But uh, I feel like I'm finally getting into a shooting rhythm. Uh, these guys get everybody a lot of open looks, so I just got to continue to knock them down. And, of course, bench has been a big issue, especially at the very beginning of the season. The Pelicans at least have a little more depth there. Uh, and when Rondo comes back, the depth will increase because you would assume Etwan Moore is going to hit the bench. Drew Holiday and Rajon Rondo will start together. I'm curious to see on Wednesday – uh, how many more minutes Rondo receives because he only played five in this game. Like he basically just put his toe in the water, got his feet a little wet, and uh, and just wanted to kind of touch the court. But look, the bench is uh, at times they're going to be necessary. Look, we've seen in some wins Jameer Nelson has helped out, and uh, we've seen Miller obviously help out as well. Uh, let's see what Darius Miller had to say just on last night's game with the bench coming through. 
Um, huge. Like I said, I mean, I keep saying, I keep repeating myself, but I mean, they were open. Look, they sent three, four guys at these guys when they caught it in the post. So we just got to do our job and knock it down. And yeah, it was obvious. Like one time when Boogie had the ball on the block, there were four guys around him. And I said, no wonder he just turned it over. I mean, what are you going to do there? Uh, but that's some of the challenges the Pelicans are certainly going to have to face coming up here when uh, when better teams come after them. Well, maybe they might not necessarily have to do that, but uh, they've got to take care of the basketball. And look, the question was asked uh, to Alvin Gentry, you know, did, did turnovers almost beat you? It, it, it did, well, because what it does is that it throws your rhythm off early in the game, as I said, and uh, for some reason we just continue to uh, not, you know, I mean, we, en- we ended up, you know, doing pretty good with it because, you know, we had doggone 12 or 14 of them in the first half. And so once again, the second half, you know, we lock in. I, I, you know, we got to continue to explore why we're doing that in the first half uh, because what it does is take away our rhythm and take away the floor of the offense. And it's really impossible for you to defend live turnovers, and that's what we've had so many of those uh, tonight that, you know, we can't get back and defend that. You're always running back, and they've always gotten an advantage of three-on-two or two-on-one or and uh, it's just really difficult to defend that. And I was mentioning to Jeff, uh, toward the end of the game, maybe the final four minutes or so, uh, Boogie Cousins was on the bench, and they were watching kind of the Darius Miller show because the Hawks went so small uh, that they didn't, it didn't, it wasn't the right move to kind of put Boogie in there and look, like I said, whenever they got the ball, it was kamikaze time. I mean, they were going after them. And uh, here's Alvin Gentry on his reasoning uh, for why Cousins wasn't in at the end of the game. Yeah, they played all, you know, they had one big. And really, I don't even know if you can call him a big. Uh, but they had basically, you know, all perimeter players out there. And so it's hard for us to play uh, both of our big guys. Uh, DeMarcus had played a long stretch of minutes. Uh, I don't know what he ended up playing, uh, you know, 35 minutes. So, you know, even setting out that many minutes, he had played uh, uh, quite a few minutes. And uh, so we decided to go with a, a smaller lineup to be able to chase some of the shooters. And look, every win hasn't been a beauty contest. You could probably say the Cleveland Cavaliers, that win uh, of a wide margin uh, was probably the closest thing. But a lot of these games have been grinded out type of games, kind of overcoming uh, some self-inflicted wounds, especially last night. Look, 106-105 to Atlanta at home. Uh, that's not exactly how you want to get it done, but it's getting it done. And you look at, say, games like in Indiana. Look, you win 117-112. That wasn't a beauty contest. Neither was an overtime win uh, at Chicago. Uh, look, some of these games just haven't been the prettiest, but – they're getting these wins. Now, the question is, how much longer can you go by doing this? And you look at the schedule coming up. I've rattled, rattled it off. Home against Toronto, at Denver, home against OKC, home against San Antonio, at Phoenix, at Golden State, home against Minnesota. That's the rest of the month. So, obviously, you can't commit 19 turnovers or 21 turnovers in a game and get the win. You're just not going to do that against quality opponents. And look, Alvin Gentry, he seems to know it. So let's hear what Alvin Gentry said when he's asked, hey, can you guys continue to keep winning ugly? 
I don't know if it makes sense. I hope we get ugly as hell. If you want to know the truth, if we continue to win, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> but, uh, you know, obviously, eventually, you're going to have to be able to execute and do some things and uh, really get rid of the turnovers. That's the big thing that we've got going right now. Everything else we're, we're, we've been pretty good at. You know, we're moving the basketball. We're getting good shots. Uh, you know, I think we've been very unselfish. You know, once again, you know, we end up with 31 assists. You know, and anytime you get to 30, 30 assists, I think you're doing a great job of moving the basketball. And uh, and then we, we're trying to make adjustments in game. You know, our bigs have been able to really isolate or post up and do a lot of things. And, and they took a lot of that away from us. I don't care if it's ugly as hell as long as we're winning games. Well, yes, obviously that's the case. But some of these teams are going to be more talented, even though you've got Boogie and Anthony Davis, and they're going to be able to overcome those. Oklahoma City, I would assume they would overcome that. San Antonio, I would assume they could overcome that. Uh, And if you play sloppy, you're going to lose. At Golden State, you've got to play outstanding, and you still might lose. And even against Minnesota, uh, look, the last time they played Minnesota, Carl Anthony Towns was invisible, and they and the Pelicans lost that game. So it's you can't get away with this forever. And I think this stretch, especially starting uh, at home on Wednesday against Toronto, a team that beat you. And I'd say in that game, even though the score was 122-118, it didn't seem like uh, that game was all that close. So, I, look, I, I think that's... Uh, that's something you're going to have to go into. So looks it looks like our time is up here on the show. So I want to thank Ron Higgins for jumping on the show. And again, if you missed any of this show, you know the place to go by now. Sports1280.com, NOLA.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube page. And of course, rest of the week, Heavy Saints. We'll be talking with... Uh, I, Pretty sure we're going to have a a national guy on tomorrow. Don't want to give that away quite yet. But then, of course, look, all the Saints news. LSU's heading up to Tennessee. Uh, We'll also have to catch up on some Tulane. Look, we haven't talked about a huge win for them. Uh, They beat East Carolina in overtime. Uh, They kind of stopped the bleeding, and uh, they'll take on Houston coming up this week at home. And so, look, they want to get on the right track as well. So we'll talk about all that. And prep football action heading up. Playoffs keep going, so we'll talk with Jim Derry later on the week as well. So we'll see you tomorrow here, Sports 1280, NOLA.com, and the iHeartRadio app. Duncan Holder. It did. It did. It did. It did. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.